With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another edition of the Gold Nose Podcast. I'm your host, Gregory McCoy. This podcast is by a fan for fans. I am not a journalist, I am not a reporter. I am not a insider. I do not work for a website. The majority of my content comes from me. Other information comes from the Internet. Okay, I'm going to stick with my same format for this episode. December 28th, 2019. And this is episode number 28. Um. I usually start out by highlighting one defensive player and one offensive player. Um, My first player is going to be Jarvis Brownlee. And just some of the information that I wrote down on him after watching um, a couple of hours of film on him via YouTube. Um, He's 5'11", 170 pounds. Long arms, very athletic, needs to add weight, okay tackler, plays man and zone fairly well, needs to get stronger, speed is decent, okay ball skills, not afraid to take on bigger opponents. Um, Backpedal and redirect is decent. Um can challenge for playing time film study is a must NFL comparison Tredavious White for the Buffalo Bills Um, he's like the mirror image of Tredavious White in my opinion they both have long arms they're both around the same height Tredavious White weighs a little bit more than him Um, the, the one thing I'll give the previous staff credit for is they recruit they recruited some tremendous athletes at uh defensive back. They they did a really good job. I mean, if you just look up and down the board as far as defensive backs last year and or uh yeah, last year and this year, they recruited some some decent athletes at defensive back. So I have to give them credit for that. This guy right here can play, man. He went to uh, Miami Carroll High School, and uh, you know he he he's got a if he puts in the work, man, he's gonna be a player in my opinion. Uh, tremendous athleticism, needs to get stronger, needs to add weight, needs to get in the film room and study receivers. And you know, I don't know if he redshirted this year. I didn't see him a lot out there, um, but I mean it's gonna be really competitive at corner. And and uh, safety, and I just I, I look at some of the athletes that they have put on the field, um, at corner, Asante Samuel and Stanford Samuels Jr. Um, 
I just can't figure out how those guys kept getting out on the field. And they was continuously getting beat. And they wouldn't play the young guys. I ain't understand that. Why were the young guys not getting playing time? But um, the sky's the limit for this this uh, this player, man. I hope he just tears it up because he he's got a tremendous uh, he's got tremendous potential. Um, my second player, and I I um. I listened to all my podcasts to make sure I didn't spotlight this guy already. Um, I didn't hear. I've talked about him, but I haven't really spotlighted him. And that's the uh, quarterback, Jordan Travis. 6'2", 185. Um, Some of the information that I wrote down on him. Very athletic. Um, To me, he's an RPO read option zone read type of quarterback um he has a pop gun arm meaning he doesn't have a really strong arm um needs to find a way to get better throwing power awareness upgrade needed via film study needs to take off and run when it's not there might be a good fit in norvell's west coast scheme If his arm strength can improve dramatically, he can challenge for the starting position. NFL comparison, Teddy Bridgewater. Now, Teddy Bridgewater has a little bit stronger arm than him, but they're they're basically the same size, same athletic ability. Um, The arm strength thing, I, I don't know how you improve that. I think just by throwing like a pitcher, if if a pitcher continuously throws that fastball, it's gonna get stronger. Um, so I just think he just needs to, you know, work on that arm strength, man. And he he would be exactly, um, he would have been a perfect fit in the previous scheme if he had a stronger arm. Um, but the West Coast system, which is what Norvell said he's gonna run. You don't really have to have a, a cannon. The West Coast system is predicated on short, short control passing. So, um, you know, I feel like this guy he can challenge for playing time. Um, if if Chubba Purdy and Tate Rodemaker, Rodemaker, however you say his name, if they're just not like, uh, you know, fixtures as far as those are the guys who he is gone compete for the starting position because you know some coaches do that um you know but if it's going to be a fair and open competition you know he he can compete he could you know possibly get it if his arm strength can improve if he puts in the work from now until the spring game um i like this guy he made plays against boston college I wish against the Florida Gators in the final game of this year, they would have gave him about 10 or 15 uh, run pass options or RPOs. And just, you know, and when it's when it's a throwing, when it's an RPO, it's got to be like a short intermediate route. Nothing where he has to drop back and read the defense. And, uh, you know, I think we could have had some success on that. Um, so that's all I got to say about Jordan Travis. Um, 
Next, I wanted to look at one of <laughs> one of the uh, one of the hardest top tens I had to make, man, because it just I just had to relive all this nonsense. But I did it anyway. Top ten worst moments uh, for Florida State, in my opinion. In my opinion, now, because I know some people on YouTube like to come on and get in the comments and say crazy stuff. Which I welcome. You know, freedom of expression, man. Say whatever you want. I won't get offended. Um, number 10. Phantom Freddie Stevens, Stevenson holding call. Now, if you can remember a couple of years ago when Dalvin Cook was still on his team, he had a game, uh, I'm not going to say game winning, but a go-ahead touchdown against Clemson. And... The referees called a uh, holding call on Freddie Stevenson. I mean, they replayed it about three or four times. There was no holding call. We know what that was. Clemson, the ACC wanted to be represented in the college football playoff. So they made that call so Clemson could get in the college football playoff back in uh, 2015. We all know that's what happened. Um, I lumped all the, that's number 10, number nine, because sometimes I just forget to say the numbers on these top 10. So that was number 10. This is number nine. All the missed field goals. I just lumped those all into one category because I could just make a top 10 just based on the missed field goals. So number nine is all the missed field goals. Number eight. The Oregon college football playoff blowout. Um, again, I thought we could have been a little bit more competitive in that game. We got exposed. Our offensive line got exposed. Our defense got exposed. And we, you know, we was living dangerously that whole season. And it just caught up with us in the college football playoff. So that was number eight. Number seven, the Louisville blowout. Basically, Lamar Jackson's coming out party. <laughs> they put like 63 on us, destroyed us. And, you know, I'll never forget that game. That was number seven. Number six, the Tebow era. I could do a whole top ten on Tebow. But I just lumped it all together and said the Tebow era. Number six. Number five. The 1996 National Championship uh, blowout at the hands of the Gators. Um, the, the the game in the regular season, we destroyed them. They figured out what we were doing, and then they came back and just aerated us to death. And <laughs> we got boat race. Number four, the Willie Taggart era. I mean, need I say more? I mean, we've been in purgatory for the last, really last three years. But Willie Taggart took us deeper into purgatory. Um, that was number four. The Willie Taggart era was number four. And these last three, man, really hurt. Really hurt. Um, but I'm going to say them anyway. Number three. Uh, Tennessee lost in the national championship in 1998. 
I felt like we were the better team. I mean, you had Peerless Price just running that little one little stupid move where he comes off the line and does a little hesitation and just runs up the damn sideline and nobody could figure it out. So, and then the, that was number three, Tennessee. Number two, Oklahoma lost in the national championship. 13 to two, I believe. It's crazy that Marvin Menace not playing in that game is why we lost. We didn't have any other go-to receivers. Um, so that hurt a lot. Um, that was number two. But my all-time number one moment to me, to me now, is the 32-29 loss to the Florida Gators in 1997. I mean, we to me, we literally had reservations uh, to play Nebraska again in the national championship. I mean, and this was a great game, but I have to go back to Bobby Bowden kicking that field goal instead of just, you were up, you were up, okay? You were up, and you had the ball. You tried to run it three times in. You didn't get it. I would have ran it. I would have tried to do something else on fourth down. You were on the one-yard line. Florida would have had 99 yards to go. All you had to do, and you knew, you knew Spurrier was going to throw it to Jaquez Green. You knew he was going to do that. And even when you kicked the field goal to go up, um, what was it, 29-26 or whatever it was, you, you knew he was going to throw it because that's just how arrogant Steve Spurrier is, right? And you didn't. You were playing cover three. You were playing cover three. So that that's my number one most memorable worst moment for Florida State football to me. Um, tell me what yours was in the comments and on uh, in the uh, reviews or whatever. Um, my last thing for episode twenty eight is going to be who put FSU Florida State University football on the map. So it's Ron Simmons versus Deion Sanders versus Fred Belitnikoff. And I just got some information off the internet. And I'm going to make a case for each. And then I'll just make a decision based on the information. Ron Simmons. He went 39-8 and eight during his career at Florida State. Got Florida State to the top 20 three times. 77, 79 and 80 he went back he went to back-to-back orange bowls he finished ninth in the heisman his number 50 was retired in 1988 he's in the orange bowl hall of fame the college football hall of fame and he was an all-american in 79 and 80 so that's the case for ron simmons Deion sanders three sports star baseball football and track Two-time All-American, 87 and 88, uh, 14 career picks, Thorpe Award winner in 1988, led the nation in punt return average, 
um, all-time punt return yards leader for Florida State. Um, Game-winning interception versus Auburn in the Sugar Bowl in 1989. 100-yard interception return, breaking Fred Bolitnikoff's record by one yard. Um, Career punt return numbers, 126 punt returns for 1,429 yards. Bobby Bowden said that he was the measuring stick for athletic ability. So that's the case for Deion Sanders. Um, Fred Bolitnikoff. He was a two-way player, meaning he played offense and defense. Um, had a 99-yard interception return, which, like I previously said, was broke by Deion Sanders. Um, 1964 led the nation in receiving yards and touchdowns. Um, he helped get the first victory against the Florida Gators. Um, He was the first All-American in football at Florida State. Um, His career numbers, 100 catches, 1,655 yards, 20 touchdowns, which when he left Florida State was the all-time records at Florida State. In the Orange Bowl, um, excuse me, the Gator Bowl against the Oklahoma Sooners, in 1964, 13 catches for 194 yards and four touchdowns. That's the case for Fred Bolitnikoff. So looking at all three players, I'm going to have to go with Fred Bolitnikoff as the guy who put Florida State on the map. He was instrumental in the first victory against the Florida Gators, and he was the first All-American for Florida State. So I'm going to say he put us on the map. Ron Simmons um, kind of ushered us ushered us back um, from the the um, Fred Bolitnikoff era era because we were down a little bit in the seventies until Bobby Bowden got there. Ron Simmons was one of his first prize recruits, and then Dion took it to another level. I mean, you could say Dion is arguably responsible for for from his era up until now as far as the guys that Florida State has been able to recruit. And I give some credit to Charlie Ward and Leroy Butler and other guys, Derek Brooks, Warwick Dunn, um, just to name a few. It's tons that I could name. Um but I would say Fred Bolitnikoff is the one guy that really put Florida State on the map. Um, I want to give everybody love and credit, but I, I, I'm going to give it to him. They even named the receiving, the top receiver award after him, the Fred Bolitnikoff Award. So they just tell you how great this dude was, man. Um, I want to thank everybody for the tremendous support for this podcast. I really do appreciate it. Um, I really enjoy doing this. Um, it's available on YouTube. Um, it's available on Apple Podcasts. It's available on Spotify Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe um, on YouTube. Click the notifications button and hit the subscribe button. And let me know something in the comments. I appreciate your support. And go Nose.